For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, so welcome in to another episode of Topic Thunder. Uh, we are recapping Game One of the uh, the Western Conference series between the Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I'm joined in. I'm Alex. I'm joined in here by Matt Tierney over in Charlotte, North Carolina. Matt, how are you doing? Hold on. Okay. Wait, I have something loaded. That's how I'm doing. All right. Well, then, Matty Mullins up in Nebraska. <laughs> Can you please liven up the spirits up in here? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, oh, breaking news. Breaking news. The Thunder just missed another wide open three. So, uh, okay. not helping. That is not good. So, yeah. So, coming into this game, you know, many Thunder fans really, 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 really wanted to play the Portland Trailblazers because we had beat them four to nothing in the season series this year. Um, and also, they were coming into the series without one of their big pieces, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, who missed the last nine games of the season with a broken leg and was not going to be available to mm. the Portland Trailblazers coming into this series or into this postseason at all. Um, and so, coming into this game, you know, everybody was ecstatic. Everybody that's in Thunder Nation was ecstatic that the Thunder got the sixth seed and Portland got the three seed. But coming into this, look, I, I wrote I wrote a preview, uh, a, a series preview for, for my site. Now that's thunderbasketball.com. Um, one of the big things that I kind of stressed on there that was that because Nurkic was out, Portland was going to play differently. And so the Portland that we saw in the regular season was not going to be the Portland that we saw in game one and past game one. And that kind of came to fruition. All right. So before we head into the TiVo, um, I kind of want to get your guys' feeling as to how you were feeling going into this game um, before it started. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I was just like everybody else in Thunder Nation. I thought um that they might hit us with a barrage of threes maybe a little bit early but we'd be able to weather the storm we always start off a little bit slow we'd figure it out around the second or third quarter 
And then I thought we would have about anywhere from an eight to a 10 point lead in the fourth and kind of coast. Couldn't yeah. quite make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, most of my fellow uh, unit members are a little more positive than I can be at some time. So Steve and Dylan and Maddie may not approve of this message, but uh, I remember probably a couple days ago, I tweeted to somebody and I was like, don't be surprised if this, this lead in the series goes down uh, 0-2 because Oklahoma has a notorious problem of uh, teams that they should beat that they decide that their mentality is going to be poor and they go into the game not really respecting that team, not really giving them the full credit they deserve. And I think we saw that tonight. I think especially at the beginning, I mean, part of that is Portland and some insane shooting numbers. But part of that is on defense. Like the, the perimeter defense was very poor and they didn't seem like the energy was there throughout mm. the game. And so, you know, credit to Portland, but also Oklahoma City did not do a great job of respecting Portland despite the fact that their they're starting center was out. Yeah, so so let's go ahead and head into the game. So let's look, Thunder fans, if you didn't watch the game, what the hell were you doing? But I mean, it's probably wa- fine. Yeah, if you didn't <laughs> watch the game, it's okay because we got your back. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and recap the game and a little something called hooking up the TiVo. You don't need to explain to me why you need TiVo. All right, so coming into the first quarter, um, of course, we were a little bit worried whether Paul George was going to play or not. Uh, so he was a he was a game time decision. Uh, he came out during warm ups. Apparently, felt okay enough during warm ups, and he got the okay. You know, he gave the okay that he was going to play. Um, and so coming into the first quarter, you you really wanted to see how he played. And he didn't fare very well. Uh, he was, you know, getting caught up in the air and throwing errant passes. He was getting blocked. You know, I believe four of his shots were blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, he just didn't seem very sure of himself in that first quarter. Would you guys kind of agree with that assessment? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the defense uh, for Portland came out expecting Paul George to be the Paul George uh that was sort of the mvp candidate for the season they were definitely double teaming him they had their best defenders on him and they completely isolated him out in the offensive end and played right into our cards because it seemed like george was supposed to be our offensive weapon which is expected given you know our offensive game but you know it, it was he just couldn't get anything up i mean I've got the shooting stats right here, and I don't want to necessarily give away too much yet. But uh, as far as three-point shooting is concerned, uh, I mean, George is below average, but okay. And then when you look at everybody else's numbers, they're just so bad that, uh, you know, like there just wasn't enough out there to really help Paul George. And he, despite being so overwhelmed on defense, didn't really have much help. Yeah. I, I think I, I think also, you know, we tried to work him into the game uh, maybe a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook was trying to get other people involved. Russ didn't really attack right off the bat and was kind of 
trying to get Paul George going, and I think that it was like one bad play snowballing into another offensively for him. It's almost like he was trying to fight his way through it. Right. Um, and and it's kind, it was kind of like quicksand at that, at that point because it's like the more that he fought against it, the further he sunk into it, mm. which is why he went so, so long, I think, without making his first three is because he was, he was trying to force it a little bit. Not saying that they were bad looks by any stretch, but he knew his shoulder wasn't quite right. He, he had to know, just looking at some of the shots that he was missing, he had to know and shoot around some of those shots like mm. they weren't going to fall. And he wasn't getting credit for attacking the basket either. He wasn't getting the fouls mm-hmm. called. Yep. So he's putting his shoulder in jeopardy early, trying to get himself in rhythm because he couldn't hit jumpers and it just wasn't paying off for him. Yeah, and so you're right. I mean, Paul George was taking a lot of open threes that just weren't falling. Um, but you still want him to play and you want him to take those shots because he is Paul George after all. But I just want to kind of throw out the shooting numbers, and these are not very good. So Paul George was 4 of 15 from 3, which is 27% if you round up. Do you guys want to guess what the rest of the team for Oklahoma City shot? So he was 4 for 15? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm guessing 0 for something. 0 for... Very close. Yeah, Barry. I think Ferguson hit one. He did. Ferguson. He hit one. So there, there were, got there were one, right one for 10, one for 11. I wish that was the case. There were one for 18 from the field. So there were Jeremy five Grant. for 33. Yes. Jeremy Grant, 0 for 3. Terrence Ferguson, 1 of 2. Westbrook, 0 of 4. Dennis Schroeder, 0 of 7. Raymond Felton took one, missed it. Mark Keith Morris took one and missed it. One of 18. I mean... If you have those type of shooting numbers from the rest of your team, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Paul George did shoot bad, but like, what else are you supposed to do if nobody else makes a shot? That's just like, it's just one of those nights, to be honest, where it took a historically bad shooting night from Oklahoma City and a ridiculous shooting night from Damian Lillard to get a win. And it wasn't even a blowout. It was a single digit win. So uh, to be honest, I take that as a positive because I don't expect that to continue, even though we've had shooting nights that are pretty poor. So I expect them to come back a little bit better. I expect Damian Lillard to like average out a little bit. Um, he was definitely playing with a bit of uh, vengeance in yeah. this game. He was taking some pretty crazy shots that were going in. So, um, but yeah, I expect game two to kind of average out. Yeah. So. Oh, I was just going to say, with that, Damon Lillard, like, 22 seconds into the game, pulled it from 30 and, and drained it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was pulling those kind of shots yep. um, throughout the first quarter. And then, you know, he had a, a big shot late in the game as well from about that deep. So Yeah, so it, it, it almost seemed like Portland couldn't miss in that, fourth, in that first quarter. Um, and, and it kind of set the stage for the rest of the game. Um, you know, Damian was pulling up from 30. Uh, CJ McCollum was hidden. Um, it, it it was just, I think our defense was very bad in that first quarter. I think we were um, getting behind on the the dribble penetrators a lot of times, and that was opening up the the people on the outside being open. Um, and we were giving up, I mean, some of them were dribbled, you know, 
dribble shots, uh, but most of it was wide open jump shots from the perimeter. Um, and we, we got to do a better job of sticking with the ball handlers, um, especially around those screens. And that's very difficult in the NBA, but we got to do a better job of doing it. And I think we did a better job of that as the game went on. Only problem was we spotted them 14 points in the first quarter, and it was 39-25 heading into the second quarter. Yeah, and one other thing I want to say for this first quarter is that you're right. Like that first quarter was basically what set up the game. And my shooting numbers right here. So Portland was 12 of 20 from the field in the first quarter, which is 60%. And we were 9 of 25, which is 36%. And if you take our shooting numbers from that period on, we actually shot better than them. We shot 41% and they shot 36%. So it was really that first quarter that did it, and we just never recovered. Yeah. It was just always a six to eight point game for the rest of the game. So heading into the second quarter, um, again, we, we. Can you hold on one second? Yeah. No worries. Dad life. Dad life. Dad life. <laughs> B roll. Got the baby crying. Heading into the second quarter, uh, the Thunder knew they had to make a little bit of ground up. Um, And so they came out, and for the first few minutes of the second quarter, it was back and forth. Um, They couldn't, you know, the the lead kind of ballooned up to, what was it, 19? Mm -hmm. 19 was the largest lead. So the lead ballooned up early in that second quarter up to 19. Um, But around the eight-minute mark of that second quarter, the Thunder went on an 8-0 run, brought it down to 11, and kind of started to you know, chop wood from there, from that point on throughout the quarter. Um, but w- what things did you guys see in that second quarter that kind of was different than the first quarter? To be honest, it was just like making shots. <laughs> like, uh, that's all basketball's about. Really? Yeah. I, I, who <laughs> who would have thought? Um, but yeah, I think it was like, I'm trying to look here. I think it was like Seth Curry hit a, a three, and that was what was the 19-point lead. But immediately after that, Paul George made one of his threes. Uh, and then Russell Westbrook made... Or no, he didn't make a three. Cause, or no, it was Ferguson that made a three. And so, honestly, it was just like those couple of shots from three that really started a bit of a momentum builder. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was just like Russell Westbrook driving well. Which, by the way, Russell Westbrook's... Finishing at the rim tonight, I thought was spectacular. He just couldn't shoot from outside, which was kind of the same from everybody. Mm-hmm. And Schroeder was making some nice little like fade. Schroeder, Schroeder, Schroeder was making some nice little like uh, teardrop shots, um, and you know some some of the shots we've seen throughout the the season. So people were just making their shots. Uh, it, it came down to that, and turns out when you don't make shots. You don't uh, necessarily win games like we see later in the game. Crazy, I know, right? I know, it's crazy. But yeah, uh, yeah, it, it basically came down to that. And they, it felt like after probably halfway through the second quarter, once they kind of recovered from that 19-point lead, I mean, I don't want to spoil the rest of the game, but it felt like six to eight points was this mm-hmm. gap that we could never recover from. Yeah. We got to four a couple of times. We got it was up to ten a couple of times, but it never really wavered within that range. So, I mean, spoiler alert: it got down to one at one point. It was just very close, but then yes. all of a sudden, 
Portland came right back. So we've seen that many, many times this season. And tonight was one of the nights where it just couldn't really, we couldn't really cross over that hurdle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Can I just make a public service announcement? Um, Yeah. Seth Curry. Introduce myself. (laughs) Yes, sir. Seth Seth Curry scored eight points, and yet they spent a large part of the telecast talking about him and showing his family and whatnot. Now, I get it, right? Brothers in the NBA playoffs for the first time yet or whatever, right? But come on. Like, this is... They're the golden children. uh, It's so frustrating. We get enough of that with with Steph. Like, come on. Yeah. Seriously. Now we we have to do it with Seth. Just chill out, dog. The other brother... Just like, chill out, dog. Too much. Like, come on, ESPN. This isn't Zion Williamson here. All right. <laughs> that was ABC. That was ABC, not ESPN. Well, both. Same company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, Disney. Uh, yeah. Disney's overrated. Just stick with Marvel movies. For real, dog. Chill out. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was very annoying throughout the entire telecast is that anytime Seth did something, like, like if Seth took a charge, they showed his parents. Like, <laughs> what is this? Junior high? Oh, he took a charge. Yeah, you know, it's like come on, Seth, man. Seth takes like two dribbles. Did you know he's Steph Curry's brother? <laughs> oh my gosh, he can dribble with his left hand. What? Crazy. Yeah, that was that was horrible. But yeah, so so the second quarter we we put on a little bit of a run. We we outscored them twenty three to fifteen, um, and so that. 14-point first-quarter deficit heading into halftime turned into a six-point more manageable um, deficit. Um, so what did you guys think about the officiating in the huh. early going of that game? And what I mean by that is, so as a Thunder fan, you see, number one, you see the flopping. Um, so that in the uh. first quarter, that Damian, that offensive foul from Russell Westbrook, where he did put up his elbows. Yes, he did to, to kind of get around uh, between him and Curry, I think it was, but he didn't hit him. So you know he did the great James Harden acting job Lillard did uh, to sell that, and he got the offensive um, foul on Westbrook. And then on the and then on the other end, or you know in the second quarter, I think it was, uh, was it Grant posted him up, yeah. and he, you know, he took contact on the post up and just flew into the lane like he had just got you know, smashed by an entire offensive line. Um, it, you know, I, I thought the officiating was very much tilted towards Portland. And I don't mean that as a, just a Thunder fan. I just think that some of the calls that Portland was doing and they weren't getting called for, uh, the Thunder were doing and they were getting called for. Um, yeah, and one, well, and you say calls, right? One of the most frustrating plays that I see when you play good defense is when they call the kickball. And when they call the kickball, because they're guessing. And friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. AD, even came out and said that refs have been guessing that all year. And unless you know conclusively, there should not be a kickball called there. And that's true. I mean, I guess I guess you can kick the ball with your with your hand or with your arm. I guess Steven Adams is like that. Like, it, he's it. just running around there with it's four legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like right, like I don't, I don't know how else you're supposed to play defense. Um, and that was actually a kind of like a pivotal moment. We were actually like getting a stop. I think at that point we could have like cut it 
to maybe like one one possession, and then they, I think they ended up making a three off of that mm-hmm. possession or something, mm-hmm. like swings like that, where we were about to get in transition and go uh, because of the deflection, and then they call the the kickball, things like that. I mean, I can't really look at look at a situation where I'm like, yeah, the Thunder really benefited from an official, you know, from a call from the officials, you know, objectively. Yeah. Uh, there there were a lot of a lot of contact. There was a lot of contact on drives that we didn't seem to get get uh an and one. I mean there should have been a couple of those and ones. Russ got annihilated and he was somehow finished. Um mm-hmm. his efficiency numbers, I mean he should have been making those those points on less shots even with yeah. with Dial's called. It was pretty bad. It was it was pretty bad. Um, you know, Zarba, I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, and, you know, this this game kind of encaps- encapsulated why uh, I, I don't necessarily like Zarba reft games with the Thunder. Um, he, lets him, he lets him play on one end, and on the other end, he doesn't let them play. So offensively, if the Thunder are driving, if the Thunder are getting to the paint, they don't get a lot of calls. Um, but then if the other team is, I don't know, if there's a mismatch, especially on the post, and the guy flops, they usually calls it in favor of the defense instead of the offense. Um, it's just kind of a staple of his, of how he officiates games. Um, so moving into the, into the third quarter, second half, um, a lot of the third quarter, again, was back and forth. Uh, small runs, four or five point runs here and there. Um, there wasn't anything really that kind of stood out from that third quarter. Uh did you guys see anything that really stood out in the third quarter? Um, not really. Um, Still couldn't make of, threes. Yeah, kind of the same same <laughs> as the rest of the game. Just couldn't make shots. I'm I'm gonna look up the shot charts real quick for this third quarter. But it felt like uh, they just kind of kept it at the same lead, like lead the whole way. Um, every time they would get a a run. Portland would just respond. We actually outshot them now that I'm looking at it. 40%, 41%, 37%. Um, but yeah, it just it just sort of felt like uh, the whole game was... Or, I mean, sorry, the whole third quarter was just sort of like a mute point. Like, And I, uh, and I, think, I, I think the third quarter, it wasn't very memorable because it was so mm-hmm. bad. You know, the... Yeah, it was like 22 to 21, something yeah. like that. So, not really great. Not really great. And so, Portland kind of made up that one point, made up a point uh, in that third quarter, and we went into the fourth quarter down by seven. Um, a lot of the first quarter, a lot of the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter was back and forth. Um, and then we got down by about, what was it, like 10, 12 points uh, mm-hmm. at some point. At least Anna's, 10. Anna's Canner was killing us. Dude, that guy, man. He was. It'd be nice if we he was on our team at some point. And but that's what frustrates me so much sometimes with with coaching and coaches. Um, how is it that one team is able to take a player like that and make him very useful, make him very successful, and another team such as or another coaching staff such as ours is not able to do that. It, you know, they're not they, they basically say we can't play this guy in the playoffs while Portland cuz I mean, we have dribble penetrating guards too. We have good screen setters and even though Steven Adams had a had a good game, he didn't yeah. have a standout game. Yeah, okay. So this is the thing that 
that really ruffles my feathers is that in the first quarter, Steven Adams was five of six. So like mm-hmm. in 11 Kander, points. Yeah. And his candor just sucks defensively. Right. So it's like, okay, if you're a coach, expose that dude. Like that was the reason why we didn't like Ennis Canner when he was on the Thunder, right? Because he just, he was great offensively. He sucked defensively. So like, all right, Steven Adams, first quarter, five of six. Perfect. Just keep feeding him the ball. He'll keep scoring. We'll coast through this game. Hopefully other players make shots. And then you look at the other quarters for Steven Adams. Second quarter, one of two. All right, he doesn't really play that much. Fine. Third quarter, one of three. Three. He started the third quarter and he made, he only took three shots and he was one of three. And then you look at the fourth quarter, also one of three. Why in the freaking heck is he only taking six shots the entire second half? Like, like what? This happens all the time. Steven Adams takes all of his shots in the first quarter and then he just dies off. But yeah. if you want to expose in his canner, You've got to keep feeding Steven Adams the ball, and you didn't. That was, like, a huge problem, especially when the Thunder don't even realize how to, like, make a three-point shot because the whole team went one of 18 besides Paul George. You got to feed Steven Adams the ball. Like, what are you doing? That's the problem. Devil's advocate here. If a team sees that you're not hitting your threes and that you're struggling real bad in that department— why do they need to step out on three-point shooters yeah. aggressively? They yeah, stay in right. the paint. You know, it makes it harder to get those. Guard Steven Adams. Yeah, and it makes it harder yeah. to get those those passes in there. And Steven Adams, who has kind of fumbly hands as it is, you know, once he kind of gets the ball in there and a bunch of hands are swiping at him, he kind of loses it. Um, but, yeah, it's just the, the point of, of Cantor struggling is not with the center. The point of him struggling is not being able to move laterally once that guard goes downhill. And we have two guards that can go downhill very efficiently in Westbrook and Schroeder. And I don't think we took as much advantage of that as we could have in this game. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at Westbrook's makes, like literally all of them are in the paint. Mm -hmm. All of Westbrook's made shots are in the paint. He missed four threes. He missed like four other, four or five other mid-range jumpers. Um, that that just wasn't going. But to his credit, he wasn't necessarily forcing it. He seemed it seemed like those threes were at like typical times that Westbrook would take a three mm-hmm. that were in like the good motion of the game. They weren't really forced. Um, he had a couple of his shots uh, that were mid-range, just that were off, and that was kind of like okay, we didn't really have Ooh. anybody hitting for mid-range yeah. all day. Uh, even Dennis Schroeder struggled for mid-range. Um, outside of maybe a five-minute stretch there in the second half. Yeah, but, Schroeder, Schroeder had those where he got into the uh, into like right right past the, the free throw line area and yeah. shot those shots. He was making those pretty consistently. Yeah, he had like he had like a three-minute period when he was just like on it, and then the rest of the game he was bad. Yeah. One thing that I noticed for Paul George, you know, with his shoulder too, we're talking about enforcing it a little bit, was – he wasn't really beating anybody one-on-one off the dribble mm-hmm. today. He they tried a couple of times to isolate him out on the out on the side, and he he kept getting caught on the baseline and then like forcing the pass into traffic and, and causing a turnover. Typically, you would see Paul George be able to take somebody off the dribble and hit a mid-range or be able to take it all the way to the cup and 
that just wasn't happening, you know, with regularity. Surprisingly enough, he led our team in scoring somehow today. But um, that there were times where we were coming back and we were making our runs, and those those times were when we kept attacking the basket. And we actually shot pretty well from the free throw line too. So when they finally did give us a call, we were making it, you know, we were paying it off. Mm-hmm. That's going to have to be our formula moving forward. And going back to the Steven Adams thing, we're able to get him going early on because, again, the defense is more spread out. Mm-hmm. If we're going to make an evolution in our offense and take that next step with Steven Adams, he's got to develop like a 15-foot jumper. He's got to be able to develop something to kind of pull mm-hmm. those big men out of the paint a little bit. And where they have to like keep, you know, keep honest, like he's going to actually take a shot. So, I mean, because that's the next thing, right? He sets that high, that high screen and roll, and all they're going to do is pack the paint. And if we're not able to hit a mid-range jumper off of that, that pick action, or swing it around uh, from help defense to to get to somebody in the pocket for three or whatever, then. Portland has no incentive to step out and, co- and cover anybody. They're just going to hold tight. Canner got in trouble a couple of times because he was hanging back a little too far, mm-hmm. but that goes to show exactly what the, the game plan was, what Stotts was trying to do, and it was basically forcing us to beat them yeah. outside the paint when we were in our set. A lot of times, too, and I'm rambling a bit, but talking about how we were getting stuff to, to work in the paint was a lot of those buckets were in transition or before the defense could set up. Because Russell Westbrook took it mm-hmm. off of a made basket or off a miss, and and basically hit hit the afterburners, and four or five seconds later he was at the he was at the rim, finishing you know after slicing through the defense. Um, yeah. There was a big thing, and I want y'all's uh, I want y'all's thoughts on this. So late in the game, um, it's like a one point game, I think, mm-hmm. at this point. Russell Westbrook gets a rebound and tries to dribble it and kind of fumbles it. And Steven Adams has to dive to the floor to get the ball. Are you okay with that chaos of just letting it be? We had two timeouts at that point, and Billy Donovan did not call a timeout. And that led to Steven Adams turning the ball over, which led to an easy bucket by the Blazers. Yeah, that was at the that was at the end end of a game. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was a four point lead at that point for Portland. Something like uh, that. Yeah, and yeah, that was that was a, a that was a weird play. Number one, uh, the the ball kind of kind of escaped from from Westbrook's hand. Stephen Adams dove on the floor. CJ McCollum dove on Stephen Adams. I don't know why. You know, number one, Stephen Adams didn't call a timeout, or Billy Donovan didn't call a timeout. Yeah. But then you know, Adams tried to get it to Paul George, and I guess he didn't put enough English on that pass. And then I believe it was uh, either Aminu or Harkless that got it um, and mm-hmm. kind of dribbled, you know, dribbled it out. And, and yeah, it, it was that was disappointing. So so we get yeah. So we get to the end of the near the end of the fourth quarter. It's a one point game. Um, it was I think it was 93 to 92. And Portland just comes back on the next mm-hmm. play. And Westbrook is playing off of Lillard. Lillard's about Lillard. 28, 29 feet from the basket. And he just pulls up from that point and just shoots it. And that was kind of the, the end of the game right there. Like, we yeah. couldn't make anything. And at, at that point, they were up by four, and it was almost, you know, basically over. Um, but, man, it, it was disappointing because we fought so hard. 
and explain to me why I know it's not in a person in a in a basketball player's mind that when a person is 30 feet out to guard them but we've seen Lillard you know we have seen in this game Lillard hitting that shot at least two or three times before then you needed to be on him you know you needed to be on him and I, and I know and I know that the the common thought is that you don't you play off of them when they're that far out but in this new NBA with guys like Lillard guys like Curry um, you have to play on them 30 feet you know from 30 feet out all the way in um, and and yeah that, that was that was kind of disappointing right there yeah and like I've already said before I mean it took it took a historically bad game I mean Thunder literally shot 15 percent from three and players not named Paul George shot literally six percent from three in total so like six percent I mean you you make you make even if you shoot 25% from three, which is still bad, we but win this game. you win this game, right? Like that's, that's two or three extra threes. We lost by five. We win the game, right? So like, I mean, it took a historically bad game and it took a historically ridiculous game for, I mean, not historically, but very good game from Damian Lillard, especially from his 30 foot plus shots mm-hmm. to, um, to win this game. So I, to be honest, like, it's in Portland. I'm not super worried about this series yet. I mean, that that was not obviously ideal, but only losing by five points after that shooting performance, I'm still pretty confident in this team. And I mean, if I pick I pick the Thunder in, in six. Right. They have I, to lose too. two games. And if the if the two games are at in Portland, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah, you, you come back and you win game two, you, you, you're back in the series. I mean, it's bad. It's a it's a one one tie. You have home court advantage, and all you're trying to do in these first two games is win one, uh, so that you can get home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so ended up being um, one hundred four to ninety nine. I honestly didn't see how you know as far as these two teams, a score of ninety nine to one hundred four for a game is is pretty surprising to me you know these two teams can fill it up these two teams can and i thought this was a as as well as it looked like portland was shooting i thought you know past the first quarter i thought we did a pretty good job defensively on them uh to limit you know to limit them from the field to limit them scoring and like you said if we would have hit a couple shots the entire dynamic the entire narrative of this game changes completely different yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So it ended up being one hundred four to ninety nine. Um, Portland takes that one zero lead. It's a seven game series. Um, so the question becomes: Are we worried? No. No, not at all. Not yeah, at all. I'm not worried either. Uh, I thought, I thought we played probably our worst game that we could play. Probably. Um, I know we'll make adjustments, um, but. You know, we played a bad game, and it was still a five-point victory for them, and that's it. Um, we spotted them 14 points at the beginning of the game, and you give any you give any good team that much, you know, that much cushion, and they're gonna win. Um, but we made it very difficult for them, so I'm not entirely worried about this. Uh, I hope Thunder Nation isn't too worried about this. Um, but some of you guys did have some things to say. 
And so, Tierney, mm-hmm. can you uh, can you hit us with some of those questions that people asked us? Yes, sir. We got quite a few questions from Thunder Nation. By the way, if you hear people screaming in the background, it's because my roommates are, are playing beer pong. So just ignore that. Um, <laughs> but first of all, we got a question from. Um, let's see here. Uh, we have a question. Oh crap! My internet's down. No. Hold up, hold up. All right, here we go. And it's back uh, up. We have a question from one of our fellow uh, advocate listeners at Thunder Up Fellas at OKC Forever. That's his his name on Twitter. He says, "Should we play Paul George next game?" Which is probably kind of a joke, but also a little bit serious. Paul George's shoulder injury has been bad. He did not shoot very well. What are you guys' thoughts on Paul George? Well, that that was a that was a question that Matty Moles had at halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, I mean, there are two two trains of thought, right? Um, first things first, in the playoffs, if you hold serve at home, then you're going to be in, in great shape to, to put yourself in position to win a series. So mm-hmm. the most pivotal game to me is not game one or game two for OKC. It's game three at home coming back to the peak. For me, I want Paul George to be as healthy as possible going into that game. Mm-hmm. Now we're it's a full two days rest between game one and game two. Right. We're we're playing super late because yay, West Coast playoff yeah. games <laughs> always gotta be super late. Um I'm so be so be tired. 30 Central. Yeah. Yep. Um that's okay. Who needs sleep anyway? Exactly. Um I I don't know. I mean, if Paul George isn't like 85 plus percent going into that game, then I'd almost rest him and have him ready to go for game three. Mm. The reason for that is because when he's out there, we do want to force the action through him. And I know that he can play good defense and he can affect the game in other ways. But maybe that just lets Russ say, you know what, I got this. And, and Russ, Russ is, is Russ. I mean, we saw when he was attacking tonight how effective he could be and what, I mean, if he's driving and and doing work and they collapse down on him and other guys are making shots, guys like Terrence Ferguson don't get in foul trouble early because Ferguson's a pretty efficient shooter from deep. Mm -hmm. It could be a different ball game, even without Paul George in game two. That's not saying we're just giving them game two. They're still going to have to earn it, Mm -hmm. but I really want Paul George to be as healthy as possible for game three. Yeah, and and see at CJ underscore lock kind of uh, imitates your or not imitate, but definitely sides with you on this one. He said, if Paul George isn't fully healthy, sit him for the next game and have him ready for home court. So kind of exactly what you're saying, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, Alex, what do you are you agreeing with that or do you have a different take? I, I have a different take because I, I think, like I don't I, this injury seems like one of those injuries that. It can't get worse. Mm-hmm. You just have to play through the pain. Um, and, it, you know, if if we're going to, you know, you know, we've made it this far. Paul George has played this. You know, if, if Paul George was really hurt, he should have sat out some games in a regular season more yeah. than he did now. You can't sit him out now. Right. Um, you know, so from what I, from what I, I guess I saw a tweet that just came out. Uh, Royce Young said that. Paul George, this was the first time he actually shot shots yeah. um, since the well, the Houston game, I guess it was. Um, so, look, 
I don't know how he's going to come out of this game. It, it seemed like there was a couple times where he kind of grimaced a little bit after some contact. It, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a game-to-game type situation. Do we sit him out purposely? I, I don't think so because game three could be another situation where he gets hit. You know, he he runs into somebody. He something happens, and you know he's he's back to where he was square one with his shoulder. So I don't think you sit him out. Yeah, and Brett Dawson, friend of the pod, he also tweeted out a, a while ago that Paul George four days ago couldn't even lift his shoulder. So I mean, it's it's kind of complicated. We don't really know what's going on, but. I mean, the fact they played today is at least some sort of positive sign that uh, that that he's at least healthy enough to play. But he needs to be 100 percent. I I agree. So I don't think he's going to be 100 percent. That's the thing. Yeah. I think you, just, you just roll with him how he is. And you if, gotta, it's not, if it's not going to get any worse and if he can get his shoulder up enough to shoot, you know, yeah. it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a game time decision type thing for all the games moving forward. Right. Right. I agree. So at least uh, we can hope that he's at least 90 percent or something close to that. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got to roll with the punches at this point. So our next question comes from uh, at underscore Big Boris. He says not a Thunder fan, but how the hell does one slow down Dame? Boys, what do you got? Uh, I think you I think you have to go ahead and. Um, what is that? Sorry, I air conditioning. No, is that I your think, bathroom? <laughs> I think my wife is running the bath upstairs. <laughs> Wait, tell me it's done. I can't hear anything. No, I yeah, I just didn't know if she was done. Done. Okay. okay. Sorry. How does Wait. one stop Dame? Wait All till right. the boys downstairs are done. All right, we're good. All right. So, how how does somebody stop Dame? I I think you have to. You have to you have to send Steven out there a lot quicker. Um, right. And you, you may have to actually have – I know Terrence Ferguson does a, a pretty good job on C.J. McCollum, um, but you, you may have to have somebody like Ferguson on him because Ferguson, with his, with his skinniness, is able to get under that pick or over that pick a lot better than, say, somebody that's a little bit thicker like Westbrook. Um, but, I mean, if, if you're going to – you got to go ahead and blitz – you got to go ahead and blitz them uh, with Steven Adams and then hopefully hope that number one, who's ever on the backside is able to kind of hedge over onto Cantor or whoever the, the center is at, or the screener is at that point. Um, and then also hope that whoever the, the big man is, is able to recover as quickly as possible. I mean, Dane's not going to hit 30 footers all series long. I yeah. mean, I certainly hope not. Yep. Like I know that you want to defend him from that range, but thinking about the feasibility of our defense, if you if you go out that far with our, you know, if we had if we had Dre, it's back. <laughs> if we had Dre, um, I I think that could be different. But our perimeter defense especially with how Paul George is, is kind of laboring out there a little bit. If, if you go out and contest Dame from 30, 35 feet, he's just going to blow by you. And then it's, right. you know, it's help yeah. defense, help defense. And you're going to even get, you know, an easier three from the corner or uh, a backdoor pass, um, you know, to, to where somebody can, can just jam it. You know, that, I mean, Ennis Kanter would do work 
in that yeah. type of an offense. And I, and I, and I, I think I that's what happened wait, a lot. I think that's what happened a lot today as far as I, I believe we were out of position on our defense, and that's what allowed Canner to get a lot of those offensive rebounds like he used to do here when he was here. Yeah, and that, that actually leads us into our next question from at Thunder, or excuse me, at Sir Thunderbeard. Uh, he asks, what is Steve, or what is Adams doing wrong to be getting killed on the boards by Innes? Is he not boxing out well, or is something, or excuse me, is it something else? It wasn't something I was focused on during the game. So what do you guys think about Steven Adams' performance against uh, Innes Cantor? Because he had 18 rebounds today. And so what do you think he needs to do for game two in order to kind of counter what Innes did today in game one? I didn't see Steven Adams get punked a lot by Cantor, to be honest. I... I mean, I know he got some boards at pivotal moments, but again, we're, we just talked about Steven Adams having to go out and play this, the, the pick and roll action, right? That, mm-hmm. that leaves Cantor on a smaller, you know, on a guard. Right. He's able to then work his way into position. It's, it's tough when, when Steven Adams has to hold his position before he can go back down and try to get that body on someone. It's just by the pick and roll action that allowed Ennis Canner to get his position. And some of those bounces were just fortuitous for him. They just went mm-hmm. right to him. Um, there were a couple yeah. there at the very end of the game that it was like there was nothing we could do. Right. It was just that's how the miss went. Now, 18 boards, there was a lot of a lot of activity early. But some of those were on just like easy misses, right? Like a guy would miss from a couple feet out and Ennis just happened to be on the other side of it. And it was just like one of those one of those things. So I don't really think it was Steven Adams getting punked by his former teammate, by his former stash bro. I just think that Ennis Canner had one of those one of those games where somebody's in the zone and it just comes to them um, off off the rebounds. I mean, we Dennis Rodman did a lot of work too back in the day. I'm going to take it way way back. Um, <laughs> but way he back. seemed to always be in the right position for a rebound, right? And Ooh. he'd have some of those games where he was in the zone rebounding. That's kind of what Ennis Canner was like um, in this one. So I, I, I'm not worried about Steve. And I think, I think a lot of those, like I said, a lot of those end-of-game type offensive rebounds was that the entire defense was scrambling to stop Dame and CJ McCollum from shooting those threes, and we were out of position. Yeah. Steven Adams was out of position. Um, you know, you had a, maybe you had a, a guard on the inside. Um, so, yeah, so... What can Steven Adams do better? I don't think there's there's much that he can do better. I think it's just I, – I, I also don't think we had a lot of game film of Ennis Canner on the Portland Trailblazers. And so maybe this game helps us to kind of formulate a, a, a better plan to go against Portland with Ennis Canner in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we had a follow-up question from uh, Thunderbeard saying, can we get some thoughts and prayers for the rest of the series? You absolutely can get some some thoughts and prayers. We will be we hoping that the rest of the series goes well for us. So I'll just answer that question right now. Uh, so final question Amen. that we're final question that we're gonna pick from from the questions you gave. By the way, thank you again. We got a lot of questions. I apologize that we couldn't get to all of them, but there were some repeats. Uh, but this one comes from at Charlie. Pickard, P-I-C-K-A-R-D, one. He says, 
why does Donovan not try and switch up the rotation? And why does Patterson not get any run? Why does BD take out Noel when he's clearly better than Adams for stretches? So it's a lot of questions. That's a lot, a lot of, to <laughs> unpack, but let's, let's talk about at least some of it. So Patterson's not getting any runs. We kind of know why because of Marquis for Morris, but, um, why do you think BD is taking out Noel uh, in times when he seemed at least seems to be better than Adams? Or if you, you want to answer the question of Patterson, why do you think he's not getting any minutes anymore? I think the Patterson question was answered at the beginning of March when we picked up Marquise. I mean, yeah, Marquise, he's, he's, he's a he's a more all around better player. Uh, I believe there are stretches where Marquise doesn't look very good, but if we look at uh, the entire body of work between Patterson and his two two and you know his year and a half here, it hasn't been very good either. You know there have been glimpses of oh this could work, and then there have been a lot a lot more of oh crap you know this this guy he's not hitting his shot, and when he doesn't hit his shot, there's not much else that he does other than pass the ball very quickly. Um, <laughs> So you know, as far as Mark, as far as Patterson, you know, and, and then maybe you can kind of switch it up. Like Portland rode Cantor a lot today, and I don't know if they're going to do that for the entire series. Um, but you may see a couple, like if if Portland trots out maybe a Zach Collins and Leonard Myers or Myers Leonard type lineup, mm-hmm. you might see a. Patterson and Morris lined up together. I, I think they tried to play that a little bit at the end of the season to see how it worked. Um, so you might see that playing out. But as far as Patterson getting Markeith minutes, I don't think it's going to happen at all this postseason. One one thing uh, that I would like to see. So right, I think that you know Pat's just not going to get his minutes mm-hmm. unless there's an injury. One thing I would like to see Billy Donovan do, if you're talking about rotations, I would like to see him actually. Um, I know that we'd like to have the bigger body on cancer at, at times, but if we could actually play a lot of Steven Adams minutes when Dame's sitting on the bench to allow him to be more effective offensively and to maybe not be as exposed on that, on, on that action at the top of the key as much. Um, I think that might be really effective and, and kind of play Nerland Noel cause he's a little quicker laterally. Mm-hmm. He might be able to get back. I'm not saying, you know, that we need to start Nerlens and bench Steve, but just with how with with both of those guards being so so effective, I think that might be a nice wrinkle that we see. And it wouldn't even shock me if we just, you know, said, "Okay, well, if you're going to try to try to beat us this way, maybe we even see a little bit of Grant operating at the 5, especially yeah. if Paul George can right. get healthy. We can run him at the 4." Right. And have, you know, Ferguson and Truder and Westbrook running out there, too. Mm-hmm. Then if we're hitting shots, that's a problem. And they have to react to us. So yeah. I think I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments Billy makes. He tends to actually do pretty well with his rotations in a series. It's mm-hmm. just all about can the guys actually be effective or not. Agreed. Yep. Is that the last question? That's all we got. What was the, so so Patterson and then the other one was, what was, what was the other uh, it was Noel? it was Patterson and then it was it was why do we take out Noel whenever he's balling um, oh. and placing Stephen Adams, which that's kind of an opinion to be honest. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. I, I love Nerons the Well, um, but you know, I, I think we've said this on the podcast before. I mean, he he gets good stats and he, he racks up the highlights and everything, but he definitely also loses his guys on the on the posts a lot of times and he has to recover. So there's probably a reason why he's he's being taken out for Steven Adams, even though he it might look like he's balling better than Steven. So I, I kinda understand that that from Billy Donovan, but um you know, uh, at this point, you're dealing with the third string center uh, versus Nerlens Noel, who could be a first string center for another team. So I'd like to see more of him, but I, I, I understand it from Billy's perspective why he would take him out for Steven. True, true, true. All right, so moving on. Thank you for the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, keep sending them in. After every game, please send them in. Hell yeah. Um, so that we can go ahead and kind of, you know, talk to you guys. And kind of see how, you know, where your thoughts are and see how we can maybe answer some of those questions that you have. So moving on, player of the game. Ooh. Who are you guys thinking is the player of the game? Ooh. Interesting. I mean, Paul George. Oh, wait. (laughs) I mean, he was at one point on Thunder, so that should count. I I mean... (laughs) Nobody really shot very well, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think I would give it to Westbrook. He did have a triple double. He did, he did, and I'm not even looking at that. I, I think he controlled the game while he was there. He didn't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. You know, he shot eight of seventeen, but eight of seventeen on a night where the entire team was the po- you know, the shooting was very poultry. Um, I think eight of seventeen is good enough. Almost fifty percent, forty seven percent. Um, so 24 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I think, you know, I think he deserves player of the game. Is the of 17 above 40%? Can, what? Someone do, can someone do that math above 40%? I don't know what that is. I'd say it's probably about 45%. It's probably eight, in there. Eight divided by 17. That's 47. 47. So he was above average. He was, yes. So yes. player of the game. Player of the game. Russell Westbrook. Hey, so here, here's an interesting stat for you guys. Ooh. Guess who's the only player in this game that played over 40 minutes? Paul. Paul George. Like, if he's going to come into this game a little bit hurt. Wow. <laughs> why? Exactly. Why, why are you going to play him 43 minutes? It's 42 minutes and 54 seconds. Yeah. Like know, Westbrook played 37 minutes, 43 seconds. Schroeder played 36. Adams played 36. Grant played 34 and 30, you know, 34 minutes and 39 seconds. Like, like this is what's going to cripple us is us not having a wing out there um, to, to back up Paul George. That's what's going to cripple us right there. No one on Portland's team played more than 38 minutes. Lillard played 38 minutes and 47 seconds. So, you know, I completely understand playoff rotations. Um, but if your guy coming in there was a game-time decision and he ends up playing, he's the only player out there that plays 43 minutes, I, I do have a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. But also, if you look at the plus or minus box score, Paul George was the only person not in the negatives. He was a zero. And he had a zero. Starters. 
he, for the starters, correct. I yeah. mean, if you look at if you look at the bench, I, uh, let me see here. Hey, yeah, the bench, the bench bench had Felton Mark had a plus Morris. five. Yeah, yeah, Nerland played horribly. You know, the box score plus or minus is not necessarily representative of as we've seen many times. But I mean, he was on a negative plus or minus, so maybe that factored into Billy's choices for rotations. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. That's kind of strange to play over 40 minutes if your shoulder is as bad as it is to the yes. point where you're not even like sure if he's going to play. So a little weird, but but hey, I, I got to trust Billy at this point. We're in the playoffs at this point. He can't he can't be doubting any of the, the coaches. So just got to roll with it. Well, and after we went down ten in that fourth quarter, I think Billy was waiting to see if it was gonna if it was gonna get any worse, and mm-hmm. then we stormed right back and mm-hmm. got it got it down to within one point. Um, right. You know, and, and and we were kind of like give and take. I mean, no one's ever gonna take Paul George out in that scenario. Right. So it was like at a time where he normally might have like gone out and gotten a couple of minutes to to rest, he just had to play through that and. I mean that that's kind of game dictated. One thing that I I am interested in though is a guy who's a fairly efficient shooter, kind of like our Ennis Canner in a way. Abdel Nader, he tends to play a lot. You know, he's a wing, and he would come in for Paul George and spurts and be able to give us you know six to eight points with a quickness and space the floor. I wonder if he's going to get any burn if if Billy Donovan's going to look at you know the minutes Paul George played in Game One, and say, mm-hmm. man, I got to get I got to get him a, a, a breather. He played forty three out of forty eight minutes, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Adele Nader was a DMP. So we'll see about that. Unfortunate. I don't I don't really know how deep our rotation's going to get. We did play nine guys today, which is about as, as deep as a playoff rotation does get for most teams. So Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. But, I mean, kind of moving on. You guys have anything else you want to discuss about this game? I mean, other than what Nomadi just said, Abdul Nato should have at least got one minute. I think you he know. should. I, I, you know, I think those those stretches in between quarters, so in between, like, the first and second, and then in between the third and fourth, I think you can throw them out there for yeah three and a half minutes, you know, seven minutes happens. total, seven, eight minutes total for the entire game and kind yeah. of see what happens. I mean, you have three players that can score. You have three players that are able to put up that, that number one, control the ball and can control the, the tempo of a game in, in George Westbrook and Schroeder. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, one to two of those guys out there at one time, the guys around them are just basically role players that need to, you know, need, need to do their thing on the defensive end and need to hit open shots whenever they're presented to them. And mm-hmm. so Abdul Nader is one of those guys that, you know, even though one game he may look bad, but in another game, you know, there have been games throughout the season that he has actually helped his team make up deficits and come back to win the game. Um, right. So, you know, and just having him out there as somebody that can give Paul George more of a breather um it's just some something that i i think should be explored heading into into game two yeah I mean, and i wouldn't see oh go ahead i, I was gonna say he he's not gonna shoot one of 18 from three and that's what everyone except paul george shot so i mean <laughs> uh, 
what's the worst that can happen? I was just going to say Dennis Schroeder shot zero of seven. So, yeah, I mean, so you got to think throw him out I've, there, dog. And he was going to go what? One of three. At I'm worst. fine with that. Yeah. Two of three, yeah. you know, typically. So well, like, that's fine. There. Yeah. See what happens. Well, yeah. So Thunder Nation, don't fret too much. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, don't go looking at the top of the Devon Energy Tower and thinking bad thoughts. <laughs> oh, just, Get it's just step away from step the ledge. Away from the ledge. It's just game one, and the Thunder have a tendency to muck up game one, especially if they're on the road. Please remember San Antonio from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, remember other series that this has happened. Even game one, and when they played the Clippers, you know, four or five years ago. That didn't look too good, and we were playing at home. Uh, but we came back and won both those series. Um, so I would not dig too much into this game. And if you want to look for positives, there are a lot of positives to get into this game because we played horribly, and it was a game down to the end of the game. You know, it was it was a competitive game down to the end. Um, so those are the good things to kind of take into game two. But every game in the series is going to be completely different. Um, and so game two, we may hit our shots. And those 30-footers from Dame may not fall in game two, and we may come out, you know, 1-1 out of Portland. Um, so mm. don't fret too much, Thunder fans. Thank you for listening. Just Get chill out, your, dog. Just chill out, dog. It's, it's not that big pump deal. Your breaks, yeah, pump, pump your brakes, kid. Yeah, pump your brakes. Um, but from us over at Topic Thunder, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys after game two. Keep thundering up. Thunder up. Thunder up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.